everybody, and welcome to Dishing with Stephanie's Dish. We talk to people that have written cookbooks or books or food-adjacent things, because I can't get enough about talking about food. And today we have a great guest. She is Julie Jo Severson. She is the author of Oldest Twin Cities, A Guide to Historic Treasures. And I had read about this book, and I thought, oh, that's cool. I wonder if like, she has stuff in there about restaurants and breweries, because we have so much history in the Twin Cities, and indeed she does. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me here. This will be fun. Yes, it will be fun. So how did you decide, are you like a born and bred Twin Cityan, and how did you decide to undertake this project? I, yes, I'm a fourth generation Minnesotan, and I've lived in the Twin Cities my most of my life. Um, I first wrote a book called Secret Twin Cities, A Guide to the Weird, Wonderful, and Obscure, and that came out in 2020. Arrived March, mid-March, right, when the cities were shutting down. So oh. good timing on my part. I shoved them all in the corner for a couple of weeks because I thought, who's going to want to buy a travel guide right now? Right. <laughs> but um, it turned out turned out okay for Secret Twin Cities. They had a lot of social distancing ideas in it, coincidentally. So, but anyway... All this Twin Cities evolved from that book. The, about a year later, the publisher asked if I'd like to write another one. And I really wanted to do one of more his, of a historic nature uh, because I just think with COVID and the really tough year that the Twin Cities had in 2020, including the murder of George Floyd and the civil uprising and businesses shutting down, <laughs> being burned, burned down, I just felt like I... I needed a reason to fall back in love with the Twin Cities. Um, oh, and yeah. I, and I I was feeling a loss of community and a, a loss of connection. And for me to feel connected to the region I live in and uh, is very important to me. I need to feel part of the fabric. And so I just thought focusing on enduring places in our midst and places that hung in there and have endured and have reopened, um, providing us continuity, kind of a comfort. That was good for my soul to yeah. focus my energy there. Um, so that's why I kind of went in this direction. Well, and one of the selections in the book is the oldest best bar, yeah. which is our friend, Tony uh, Zaccardi, who bought it from our friend, Lisa Hammer. I knew Lisa and Keith. And they had shepherded the bar and then they sold it to Tony Zaccardi. And it's from 1906, apparently. It's an institution on Cedar Avenue. And you talk about sort of that pandemic and that coming back to life. You know, Tony is a good example of someone that really he was he had just bought the bar and all of a sudden, you know, it has to close and they're trying to hang on. And a lot of these bars and restaurants and distilleries really were in tough shape. So I was so glad that when we came out of the pandemic that Palmer's has come out of it. And tell me a little bit about the history of Palmer's in particular. Yeah, you know, and Tony really was, he was really propelled into the national spotlight during that time. Yes, he was. Because you know, he's, he's a, an African-American man who owns this business yes, in the yes, heart and of he spray, a very... He spray painted you know, black owned business in hopes to protect his, yep. his business to, you know, deflect potential looters. And, and he was really a spokesperson and a comfort, I think for the Twin Cities community during that time, we needed Absolutely. his voice. 
and the music time. community too, because Palmer's oh, yes. has had yes. such a history oh. in steeped in music. Yeah, yeah. What a gem this place is. You know, it's um so unique with an Islamic mosque on one end and then that iconic, you know, mustachioed man yes. <laughs> against it on the other one. And as I write in the in the book, you you rarely leave this place without a story to tell. Kind of uh rough edge place maybe not everybody's gonna feel comfortable there but you're very welcome there no matter who you who you are and you'll be invited to play a game of scrabble or yep. get into a conversation unless you're a jerk because <laughs> yeah. if you're a jerk you're gonna get oh, you know you're gonna get plastered on a post-it note on the back <laughs> back wall and you're not gonna be welcome there at all there you know and um that's funny yeah an but. another um institution that is in downtown Minneapolis specifically. And I didn't realize um, that they had had a fire in 1989, but this was Glick's, the oldest downtown bar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's lot, lots and lots of damage. Um, and, it, you know, it's, it's like, seems like most of these places have endured fires or over the years. But, yeah, you can uh, imagine that. Yep. Yeah, they they really came back from that. In fact, there was a moose in there. They, they have these, you know, animal heads mounted all throughout the restaurant, and the moose in the back room had been stolen from at during a fraternity party there. And I think this group, whoever had stolen it, felt so bad because of the fire that reopening day they anonymously returned it, leaning it oh, against the front door so cool. um, <laughs> to welcome everybody back. But yeah, my daughter was just there the other day. She's like, I'm a clicks. I'm like. Do you know that's in my book? <laughs> She's yeah. like, no, I didn't even know that. So I had no idea either. Now the Monte Carlo has been near and dear to my heart for some time. And I could, my mom and dad got divorced and my dad moved downtown. And that was really like, wow. You know, cause we were suburban girls. And the first weekend my dad had us, he took us into this like seedy alley and he like went through this back door that had this weird sign above it and brought us in and I thought he was bringing us into a pool hall and I was like oh my gosh my dad has really tipped over here and it turned out it to be the loveliest bar inside it it was actually the Monte Carlo and he was kind of a regular there what's the historic uh nature of the Monte Carlo yeah well the, yeah the hum, the hum of the neon sign is kind of remained a constant in the North Loop bar uh you know, it's really exquisite in there with this mirrored wall behind the bar. One's kind of an elegance to it, to it all. But, uh, you know, the whole, the whole North Loop area, the, the, you know, the warehouse district is where the Milky Way candy bars and cream of pasta and pop-up toaster were invented. This is a real industrial place. Um, the, the neighborhood has more than 60 buildings that are over a century old. A lot of them have been repurposed. Some of them, a few of them are uh, rehearsal spaces for the Minnesota Opera. Yep. Um, and a lot of them are faded business signs that, you know, are repurposed. You see the old signs, ghost signs sort of, but, you know, the Monte Carlo Bar and Grill have stood the test of time. Uh, it used to be mostly only for men, but then when, um, you know, it changed, it changed ownership. Mr. Rimmer, Rimsek, who owns a number of places in the Twin Cities, um, he he kind of turned it into a destination for all. Yeah. And the, the patio is a great happening place now. Beijing-style wings they're really famous for. Yeah, the dry-rubbed wings are my favorite. Yeah. 
a kind of funny one that I didn't expect would reach me and grab me, but it did. Um, so I work on the Stone Arch Bridge Festival and I curate a culinary market that happens underneath the Hennepin Avenue Bridge. And underneath that bridge, we have 38 10 by 10 booths of vendors that produce Minnesota made food products. And as I was looking through your book, it's the oldest bridge relic at First Bridge Park, which is where I am during these two days of the festival from 1855. And underneath that bridge, there's these giant anchors. Yeah. And yeah. I sit on those anchors to that's my <laughs> chair during the two days of the festival. So I didn't realize they were so old. Well, yeah, those, uh, you know, those don't date back to the very first bridge to cross the Mississippi River anywhere, you know, right there at St. Anthony Falls. I mean, prior to that, prior to that bridge back in 1855, people were crossing over the falls to get yeah. to, to the other side. And um, so, you know, that first bridge didn't last real long. Um, and then they, they created another one and another one. So that anyway, the these archaeological excavations uh, revealed anchors from the, the original bridges. And so now they are under the Hennepin Bridge. Now you can see and sit on them if you want. There's plaques yeah, and so cool. um, really interesting history at that park. Yep, right down, right down from Milroon's Park. Um, the oldest island venue in 1893 is the Nicollet Island Inn, which is still operating as a hotel, as a restaurant. It is a beautiful, gorgeous spot if you ever just want to like pop in for a drink or they have delicious yeah. food too. Yeah. That's a great yeah. spot. And I didn't realize that David Shea was kind of responsible for bringing that back. He's designed so many yeah. restaurants in the Twin Cities. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I didn't realize he was connected to that either until I started research. Yep. Talented guy. Yeah. That place, you know, I learned a lot about, I didn't really, you know, I hadn't really I didn't really know a lot about that fire that had kind of spread through Nicollet Island and all Northeast Minneapolis, a very ravishing fire. And yep. this was only one of two structures, industrial structures on the island to survive it. A fire started by some boys smoking. Um, and so, you know, again, it, these places that, that have endured. And at one point it was a men's shelter, Salvation uh, Army men's shelter. Uh, so it really... And, you know, you can't help but continue then to learn about and read about Nicollet Island. The right. So many sto storied history. There are a couple donkeys, Pearl and Sheba. I really focused on that island and secret my secret Twin Cities. Book. Who would have known that the oldest bowling alley was the Bryant Lake Bowl? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a legendary spot in the Lynn Lake neighborhood. And that's really evolved over the years. It used to be a a Ford garage. They repaired, yep. and apparently it's haunted by a mechanic who was crushed by a car there. But um, you know, at the heart of it is the eight-lane bowling alley old school, but around it now is a really funky, groovy restaurant that you yeah, would never expect fun. for a bowling alley and a, a cabaret with these red leather seats from Stillwater Junior High School, where you can go to all kinds of events there. And there's a really cool drone video that went viral in 2021 that they created to support businesses struggling through the pandemic. It's a yep. cool, it's like right up, right up our alley. You can Google it, went viral. Yeah. In 1964, Boca Chica became the oldest Mexican eatery, which is interesting because 
I know that the Silva family opened El Burrito Mercado a little bit further down the street in the 70s, early 70s. I didn't realize Boca Chica was that old and it's still run by the family, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. Yep. Um, you know, Grandma Fria's seasoned pork tamales <laughs> are st still on the menu. Yeah, this place was a really delightful surprise walking into, you know, you can go there after visiting Wap the Wapisha Caves, the gangster tours there. That's a great place to, to go to afterwards. Um, you just walk in and the whole, all, every wall tells a story yeah. of the family's heritage, mur murals and, but yeah, um, Iramo Frias and Gloria Coronado, she's a petite spunky lady. They fell in love and and started this little little place. She was actually linked to a, a dynasty, cultural dynasty in Minneapolis. Uh, her parents owned the first Mexican restaurant in St. Paul, and then in Minneapolis called La Casa Coronado. But that's oh. that's has long long closed. Um, and there's but, the oldest family Italian restaurant in St. Paul, Yerusos. Yeah, Yerusos and uh, giant meatballs, um, and again, that's family-owned, same same family. And uh, what I love about that place are giant murals of of um, Sweet Hollow, especially. It is located right across from Sweet Hollow. You, I, you would never know that across the street there's a is a hidden valley. Yeah, below street level, right? We're at former immigrant shanty town, and in the book, I give directions on how to get there because it's a little kind of windy. But you, you know, you can you find it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what was when you were writing the book? What was like one of your favorite discoveries? Well, I I fell in love with the New York Life Eagle, and that's at Summit Overlook Park in the Summit yep. neighborhood. It overlooks the River Valley. I've lived she's, right there. It's right across from the university club really, on yeah, a point she, of land. She's, um, well, maybe because I'm a mother. She's a mother. She's she's there digging her, taking her talons into a, a serpent's, digging in there, protesting her, protecting her nest of eaglets there in that pose. She was almost discarded. She used to be on the third story entrance of the New York Life building in downtown St. Paul. And when that was removed, she she really was nearly forgotten and discarded and she was kind of put on a pedestal in front of a parking lot for a while until she was found her new home here and now she's in all her glory there a nice spot while your mansion goggling <laughs> over mansions there in that area yeah Rest. i had no idea about newman's being the oldest bar in the state well that's the big question because there's a tie between newman's and the spot, the spot okay. bar in St. Paul, and they, you know, the feud, um, you know, I'm sure St. Spot fans will be mad at me for including Newman's, but I included the Spot Bar in Secret Twin City, so it had to be fair, but those two kind of feud over sure. that spot, and they both have very good reason, but different reasons to want to claim that title, so yeah, that's, that Newman's is famous for their frog tank in the window. What <laughs> is the story of the frog tank, do you know? You know, you ask people there and they've just been the, the, the tank of frogs has just been there as long as anybody can remember. It's just a tradition that they keep going. And I guess it, the frogs have disappeared every now and then one was found in a pitcher of beer. Um, but this, this place has a hidden door behind the tank of frogs that you, you know, they'll, it's only used for special events, but they used to um, hide, you know, have kind of speakeasy up there during prohibition. And that's where they, 
you could sneak up there and have a legal hooch. And there was like a phone that connected up upstairs to the main bar to let the bartenders know when the cops were coming sniffing oh, around. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, what, like you, you go into all this detail, like 1972, the oldest food, co food co-op is the Seward Food Co-op. Who knew that that was, I mean, I don't know, the Twin Cities co-op movement has been so strong, but who knew Seward was the first? I didn't. I thought yeah, I mean, the wedge was the first. Yeah. Um, no, they they were they were really kind of uh, the first, and now the most enduring. And um, th I, what I didn't know was what a violent struggle uh, the food co-op uh, went through in the in those early years. You know, it sounds kind of like stuff going on these days. With you know, there was a takeover. Yep. that tried to take over with steel bars and fire bombs and but they failed you know because there was such a difference of philosophy and because these were really some better veteran radicals really disagreed with what they called the white bourgeois elite elitism that's kind of how yep the, the opposing group. all those bourgeois co-op people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um so and there's a new documentary about that called the co-op wars that was created in 2021 super interesting to learn about oh the whole we'll early twin cities co-op scene yeah that sounds neat well this is a great book your second book julie joe severson oldest twin cities a guide to historic treasures are you already working on your third <laughs> not yet um promoting this is, is full-time right now so. yes <laughs> yeah. well it's yeah. fun to visit with you and to hear the story and to just get more history about some of these great spots pick up the book and then take your own kind of historical tour right yes absolutely. i love it uh thank you julie joe and thank you for highlighting some of our relics treasures you know a fabric of a community is always about the history that you where you come from right and it's good to be reminded of some of these great spots i sat on that anchor all summer last summer and i never knew so <laughs> i love it thank you so much for joining us i appreciate you absolutely thank you all right we'll talk soon okay bye-bye okay.